I'm Dr. Ben Rall. Do you know where the most amazing doctor lives? You may be surprised to learn that it's actually right inside of you. Yet, today's healthcare model is built on a foundation that the greatest doctor instead comes in the form of pills, potions, lotions, even surgery. So listen in, because what if the majority of what you have been told about health and healing is not only wrong, but actually harmful to you? One thing is for sure, when you work with your body and not against it, you'll begin to discover that you are in fact designed to heal. Welcome back to Design to Heal. My name is Jeff, your average Jeff here with Dr. Ben Rawl. And uh, my friend, we have a phone guest today, as often is the case. And uh, I know you're super excited about that. So what do we got going on? We do man? have a phone guest, but we have a guest that has been with us live before. Uh, matter of fact, you know, some of our guests play hard to get. Mary almost gets the award <laughs> for this. I've been literally trying to get this interview to happen for a couple of years now. I love Dr. Mary Veaton, who's with us today. Um, honestly, one of those people people that when I met her and I started to learn from her, I was like, yes, she gets it. Like she totally gets it. Now that's giving myself a little bit of credit, meaning that I think I get it. But, um, and I was so touched by the work that she does. I was introduced to her by a, a mutual friend and, um, who, who had shared some stories with me. And so we actually brought her to Orlando at, at a church here. We did a big seminar about, about, uh, I don't even like the term. She doesn't like the term, but you know, mental health air quotes. And I don't mean that mm -hmm. derogatory. We're going to talk about that today. Today's going to probably be uncomfortable for some people. Um, and that's intentional. And what I mean by that is not to step on people's toes and not to hurt people, but because Mary is such a, a straight shooter, but not in a, I want to, you know, step on people's toes and make people mm -hmm. angry, but from a truth telling perspective. Okay. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But she also has the credentials to talk about this. I'm going to, and literally when I literally say credentials, I mean like so many credentials that I, I can't even read them all to you. I was reading her, her kind of bio <laughs> and I was like, uh, there's so many initials there. You know, she's a PhD. She's an ABPP. She's a CDR. She's retired from the, you know, the United States uh, military. She's going to talk about that. I'm going to read a little bit of her bio here, and then we are going to dive right in so we can learn from Dr. Mary today. Uh, Dr. Veaton has spent the majority of her professional career learning about teaching and implementing effective responses to warfighters' operational trauma. Her expertise is recognized international. She's a board-certified clinical psychologist, served on active duty from 1998 to 2008 in the U.S. Navy and in the reserves, and serving over 21 years and, and counting. She's now, I believe, retired. 2014, she was assigned to the staff of Navy Chief of Chaplains, where she trained over 1,000 military chaplains worldwide in pastoral response to trauma and general and military sexual trauma. Specifically, she's completed two deployments in support of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Enduring Freedom. And honestly, it, it goes on. But she's, I mean, I'm already talking too much, but like, and then she actually uh, introduced me to a group called ICEP, which is uh, International Society of Ethical Practices of Psychology and Psychiatry, which is my, I had the honor of presenting there a few years ago, where I was again, just blown away. Um, she's been featured in documentaries, uh, uh, Medicating Normal and others. She's, and she runs this program we're going to talk about called Warfighter Advance, where they take, you know, military uh, people that have been struggling, many of them medicated to ding near death. And she gets them, helps get them recovered and teaches them. And so Dr. Mary, if you can't tell, I am excited to have you on today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Will, will you do us a little bit of a favor? Will you tell us you know, the way you like to say your background, will you tell us a little bit about Mary, a little bit about your work, military, you know, and, and psychology, and then we're going to dive into some conversations. Wow. Okay. Well, I thought you just read it, but I'll yeah. say a couple of things. So I did retire in uh, May of 2020, May 1st, um, with 22 years total. And um, I kind of miss it, but I kind of mm. don't. Mm. 
Um, <laughs> so I think everybody says the same thing when they get out. It's a, it's a, an immersive culture and you, you miss being a part of it. Um, so, um, uh, I started Warfighter Advance um, during my last couple of years, um, and I'm kind of glad to be able to give it my undivided attention now because um, it's growing and um, it needs uh, more attention. But we now have over 500 alumni, hmm. um, and we have um, I'm, the most exciting thing for me is that we've taken so many people who um, were so drugged um, and by the um, psychiatric system that they they contributed nothing, not to their own lives and not to their communities. Um, and many of those um, men and women now are, um, uh, well, one of them actually uh, just moved to Florida oh. and lost a hundred pounds and ran a marathon. Wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so, and she's, she's drug free. So that's kind of a, a really cool thing, but we, you know, um, they've, they've just really rejoined their communities in, you know, going to college and, um, getting jobs and getting promoted and, hmm. um, you know, all things that weren't possible because they couldn't, they just couldn't think straight. Now, doc, I know that one of the most, I remember one of the most powerful parts of the, one of the seminars I was involved when in, you, it was, I think towards the end and you had maybe eight or, or so, uh, people that had gone through the warfighter advance and they just went down the line telling their story. And it's always mm -hmm. powerful to hear it from them. And I'm not exaggerating. And I say some of these people have been put on like 15, 17 psychiatric medications. I mean, the stories that they told, if you weren't hearing it from their mouth, you would almost think were unbelievable. I mean, shut into their homes for years. I mean, could not function. Literally, we're, 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 we're being poisoned to death through these medications. And so right. then to watch them have victory, to watch them, you know, tell these stories. But you you take a road less traveled. You, um, even in this space, Mary, Doc, I find people still kind of beat around the bush. They still kind of placate <laughs> to the system and, oh, hey, and, you know, nobody listening to this isn't aware of the level of uh, suicide and depression and things that PTSD world that happens in, you know, with post-military, all those numbers, they're probably worse than we think. And I know you have helped literally thousands of them achieve victory and healing without medications. And then most importantly, probably getting them off of those medications. Will you get on your soapbox for a minute, Doc? Because this is one of the things I just love about you. You articulate, and again, I wish we were almost doing this with video. So, you know, you articulate the concerns you have about, quote, mental health differently. And I think in such an important way that helps us see it differently. So will you tell us why you have even a problem with that term, uh, kind of mental health and some of the terms we throw around just so frivolously and why you have such concerns maybe with some of the medical approach. And then we'll just, let's see where this goes. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, I'll, I'll answer the, the first question yeah. first, which is that, I mean, the, 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 my biggest problem with the, the mental health system is that, um, it's the, the people that we help at warfighter advance, um, are harmed by the treatment. They're not harmed by war or their experiences. They have those burdens to carry, absolutely. And they, they suffer because of the things that they've participated in. But suffering is normal. Um, drugging the living crap out of somebody because they're suffering is not actually normal. Yeah. Um, and it's, it, it just makes, it, and it makes absolutely no sense um, morally and it makes no sense scientifically either. Um, you know, there's no scientific rationale for what, what is happening. So, so one of the things that like you asked me about that term mental health, yeah. um, one, one of the reasons that I, um, uh, bristle when I hear yeah. it is because, 
um, you know, back in the day when they first introduced that idea, mental health or mental illness, you know, people understood that they were talking about uh, your mind in a euphemistic sense. So it was, it's, it's kind of like your brain is like a computer. Your brain is not a computer, no matter how many times you say that. Yeah. And, you know, that, that, that your mind, which is, uh, is not a physical part of your body. Your brain is a part of your body. Mm-hmm. Your brain can be ill and your brain can be injured. And you're, and if it is ill or injured, you go to a neurologist, right? Sure. Um, because, because you have a brain problem when you have a mind problem, um, you go to a psychiatrist or a psychologist and the P, the psyche part, this is, um, this is what the psyche is for. It's, it's a, it's a term that means spirit and, and your mind, you know, is, and your spirit and your psyche are not actual physical parts of your body there, but they are part of who you are. Um, but they can't be ill in the traditional, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, in the traditional sense broken of broken arm or an infection. Or yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. And that we can somehow scientifically measure it. So that's why when you go, for example, to the psychiatrist or the psychologist, um, there, there's no medical testing done. I mean, they do psychological testing. That's a whole nother topic we could talk about till four in the morning, mm. but, but it's just, those are just paper and pencil answers. You know, they're not, they're not objective in any way. Like when you have diabetes or, or a, you know, a, a fracture, sure. you know, we can, we can measure those things. We can see those things. Um, so, and those are, are, are real problems, illnesses and injuries. And so we've taken something that was meant to be a, a metaphor or a euphemism and we've, and we've co-opted it as if it's real and we've, and, and we've perpetuated it on to the American public as if it's real and it isn't real. And when you say real, I just want people to understand this. You are not saying that people aren't struggling you're saying that the no, way no, that no. yeah yeah the suffering right the suffering is absolutely real the idea that it is an illness or that somehow suffering can get to the point where it's so big that uh, a psychiatrist or psychologist or or social worker can determine for you that it's gone into a space that is now you know um, illness. This just isn't true. We made that up. And I'm going to throw some medications at it, some synthetic chemicals, and we're going to call you. Mm-hmm. We're going to say that we quote fix the thing that we didn't measure. And so, right, we're going to we're going to put we're going to do something that is neurotoxic to your brain in order to yeah. somehow reach your psyche, which isn't even part of your body. Now, I want people to understand. So you got to understand who we're listening here. We're talking to Dr. Mary. She's a PhD in psychology. She's done this for 20 plus years with the worst of the worst. And what I mean is the worst thing you can imagine, the hardcorest PTSD you've ever seen that has seen the worst They've sat in front of her, and she's been able to help many to most of them literally save their careers, get back. Because this is a big deal. I think, Mayor, people need to appreciate what you are talking about. Because some people are like, oh, but you don't know what I'm going through. You haven't seen what I've seen. And then these people's careers are on the line. If certain diagnoses and labels get put on them, they'll never be able to uh, potentially have a, a firearm again. They're labeled certain ways. Like, this is a big, big deal. So before you just—and nobody— no, 
my listeners are pretty friendly, but before you like write Mary off or doc, doctor off, you go, oh, she's just almost like, uh, you know, oh, how can she say that that doesn't exist? This is why I've been just yearning to do this show because there can be such freedom because, you know, so many times, Mary, and I remember the stuff you've, you've shared with me over the years and some of your workbooks and material. I mean, you teach about all these theory things that do actually affect our psyche, our mind, meaning our lifestyle, the foods that we eat, the, 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 even the over-the-counter drugs you use, marijuana, all these things, alcohol, and you you touch on all of this. That's why I was always so amazed you show me the speakers you bring in to teach on lifestyle, to teach on nutrition, to teach on physical exercise. These are the things that actually can transform people's lives. So what, you know, and you're not just anti, and I think you've told me this story, Doc, I try to remember. You, I want people to maybe to hear this. You were kind of formally trained initially, and you came out probably believing, I think, right, kind of believing the standard medical approach and then you you changed is that right am i remembering that right yes absolutely so i you know you can't get out of graduate school without you know ringing that bell and and you know and i went into it as naive as anybody Mm. um and believed that everything that they um passed there was um you know science no one ever mentioned oh by the way this isn't actually scientific Mm. um you know, and then um, when I joined the Navy, of course, it was the same thing. Everything very medical model. You know, you must diagnose, you must create a treatment plan, you inflict a treatment plan on the person. Um, you, be, you know, you make the decisions for them, which I think is, you know, not very respectful. But it's mm. how the it's how the model works. Yeah. I tell you, you're sick. I tell you what you need to do to get better. Um, so, so, but, but what what really transformed for me over the years is that I realized that. Um, what what people were not getting was it was informed consent mm. and you know so you know i you know i tell people this i told someone that this this morning because they were asking me about the medical marijuana i said i don't i don't care if you smoke pot i care if um your provider lies to you about what that can do for you mm-hmm. um so if, if you have the information and you know that um you know, that it's addictive and it's a carcinogen and it's the same exact stuff, only stronger that we smoked when we were kids. Right. I, as long as you get all that um, and, and that it's never going to get you where you're trying to go, um, then knock yourself out, smoke all the pot you want. Um, but not, you know, under, yeah, so but my, not under the my, illusion that you're healing something, fixing something, curing right, something. Right. Or yeah. treating something. Yeah. yeah. So, so just the, it's the illusion. And, so, so for me, it's, it's not, it's not about what you do at the end of the day. And it's not about, um, being against something. It's about being pro informed consent. And that's what people are not getting is the informed consent, you know? So they come to me and they say, for example, will you write me a letter for the VA that says I have PTSD? And I say, okay, part of the informed consent is that you need to understand what could happen to you. Mm. If you have that label, it's a very basic part of informed consent. You know that it could impact child custody. It could impact you know firearms possession. It could impact your career. It could the FAA is not going to look very favorably on that if you want a job with them. You know there's just so many different um, things, and I think that's part of the informed consent. Instead of me just saying, "Oh sure, I'll write you that letter, no problem." And often that letter, Doc, can can and I under you know I've got military background, family. I mean that letter can be worth a lot of money to people sometimes, right? I get disability, yes. and again I'm not accusing anybody but when we start to dissect the game here a little bit we start to see what can happen and even just those labels doc because you are so strong and i think so appropriate on on understanding this these labels whether it's from everything from ptsd to adhd to depression to anxiety we throw these labels as if they are 
this this entity again i'm separating the struggle from what people the assumption that is made once those words are attached recently it's come out of course they've done some you know exposés on the adh or excuse me well that too but the depression and you know the serotonin hypothesis we've had several experts on here talking about that i like you doc hate those labels. I think it is a right. big chat. I think it's a big part of the problem because out of those labels, then come the anti-drug approach, right? It's depression. So here's your antidepressant. Right. Here's your anxiety. Here's your anti-anxiety. Here's your ADD. Here's your anti-ADHD. And so it's part of the problem. Why do you give us your take on these labels and why they are not helpful for people? Maybe a better way to think about it. So I, I again, I think, I think they're, um, well, okay. So the, the the main reason is that if you um, if you look at the literature that's out there, um, and I'll be glad to send you a bibliography for your audience if you want. But if you read the, the literature on the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual of Psychiatry um, and the criticisms of it, one of the things you'll find that even in the National Institutes of Mental Health, that they admit that that document, the entire book, all six hundred and however many pages, is scientifically invalid. Um, and completely unreliable um, as a as a scientific document, um, and those are the two things you need for science: reliability and um, validity. And they and there's not a single diagnosis in there that has either one of those um, behind it. So the chances that you would go to a, a provider and they give you the same diagnosis as as another provider is less than thirty percent, and it's twenty eight point you know whatever whatever whatever. Um, but that's this is these are abysmal what they call interrater reliability, and it's because there there is no substance to the diagnosis. I can say you have depression. The next guy says you have PTSD. Someone else says that you're um, uh, I don't know whatever the third category might be, um, and somebody else could say there's nothing wrong with you. Go home. Mm -hmm. um, and believe it or not, we all it can, it can all happen on the same day, and we could all be licensed to practice. And you know, in my industry, and it is an industry. Not a not a medical subspecialty, but it's an industry. But but we we literally don't see anything wrong with that, you know. Whereas if you go to the urgent care and you have strep throat, <laughs> and then you go to the, you know, go to the um, emergency room and have you know have strep throat, they're both going to tell you you have strep throat because you have strep throat. <laughs> you know, the interrater reliability it should be a hundred percent in a medical scenario. Um, so, so doc, when these and the fact that it, yeah yeah well the, yeah, yeah the fact that it, well the fact that it's not I mean I think this is what you know, that people, now we've seen this, especially these last few years, it's been longer than that, of course, but like, you know, I've got two children, a 16 and a 14 year old, and I, I hear stories from them, just whether it's, you know, people that they know or friends and, you know, it's like the, and you're seeing it. I know, you, you know, you've got children and you take care of, you know, families, you know, just watching, they're calling it right. This kind of, again, whatever word you want to use, just it's on the rise for sure. Especially in kiddos, you're seeing just anxieties, depression. There's a lot of different, I think, underlying reasons for that. Um, but here's, here's what I guess I would want to ask you. Um, so there's a lot of, but, but the primary treatment mean throwing pills at these people, which by the way, is often done so horribly inappropriately, meaning no follow-up, no additional treatment, no therapy, just here's some dope to me, doc. It's, and, and people get mad at me when I say things like that, that's no different than me saying like, Hey, I'm tired. So I snorted a line of cocaine and I feel better. So I think since I feel better, I must, it must have quote worked, right? My kid. And so right. can you kind of unpack? And I, the reason, I, again, I love your work for so many reasons, but, um, you know, you're, you're so clear on this. Why, what's the concern 
with the medications. And I wish people could live in your world for a while, just a day or maybe a month, and just so they could see the other side. Because you don't take this lightly. You don't stick your neck out like this lightly. You don't speak against this because you got nothing else better to do, right? You're not. It's not. You're not causing cause. Uh, trying to cause trouble or cause strife. Why no, it's is exhausting. <laughs> yeah. I heard when you retired, I was like, Oh, I don't think she's going to retire. But, uh, um, so why is that? Why doesn't it work? So, so again, it's, it's kind of, what is your definition of work? You hmm. know, like you just said, if you, if you're, um, you know, if the kid is, you know, get, getting all these notes sent home from school and then you put them on a stimulant and the notes stop coming home, you can say it works. Right. Um, and you know, it's kind of the same thing. If you're tired and you take an upper, you know, yes, you're stimulated and it works. Or if you're, you know, I mean, if you, um, are anxious at the end of the day and you go home and have a glass of medical Malbec, right. Um, you're going to calm down. So, so it works. So don't tell me it doesn't work. It absolutely works. The problem is not that it, it, that you're not, it doesn't get you where you're trying to go. The problem is that in the, in the very short term, these kinds of solutions become disastrous. Mm. Um, you know, starting with, um, you know, within a very short time being addictive, including um, antidepressants and drugs where they tell you these are not addictive. They absolutely are. Um, but they're also they're neurotoxic. Um, they cause brain damage. Um, they, you know, they cause all kinds of um problems in the short term. So one of the things I do at Warfighter is I like to focus on the the things that are going to make men wake up, right? Mm. So like like the percentage of, of people who have sexual dysfunction on these drugs for whom it does not resolve when they stop taking it. Mm. It's an enormous proportion of men who have sexual dysfunction and women, genital anesthesia, erectile problems, and, and then they, they go... Um, and, and say, well, I'll just get off the drug then. And they get off the drug and it doesn't resolve. Yeah. So now they're not just not now, now they're maimed. I mean, and I like to use that word. They are absolutely maimed at that point um, because, you know, who would have ever, ever taken that drug if they knew. But it's the same thing with uh, antipsychotics causing um, young men to grow breast tissue. Like, I think you should have told the parents that. And I don't. And and, and again, the reason the result is that in order to get rid of that breast tissue, now this young man is having a mastectomy. That's maiming a human being. And even starting to lactate in some instances. Right, Doc? Am I remembering yes, that right? Yes, yeah, it's breast tissue. It's not it's not like I could do more pushups. I have a little bit of fat in my chest. It's breast tissue. I mean, and this is um, and you're and not you have, like a conspiracy theorist. Like if anything, no, you're like you're like no. almost a little too sane for me sometimes. You're like too logical. Yeah, but like, no. So so I mean, just go back and read the, the Johnson and Johnson lawsuit on Resperdal from just a couple of years ago. That's what the, the suit yeah. was about, was gynecomasty. I remember so, at one of the, the seminars I was at, you, the lawyer that led that case was there presenting his story, right? And talking yeah, about... Yeah, Jim Gottstein. Yeah, yeah, talked about what happened. And so I'm... So, yeah. Doc, and, and then will you also, because I think people need to hear this from the metaphorical horse's mouth here. Also, the way that these medications get to market, and this actually goes back to informed consent. As of course, you were saying from the very beginning, understand what this label means from an informed consent aspect, but also understand the informed consent of the the risks. And then kind of like you're talking about here, the risk of these medications. I had a guy the other day, I was doing a, a seminar and, and he was not enjoying my, my talk that much. And at the end, he kind of raised his hand and threw his hands up in there. He's like, well, what are you saying? Just, you know, I should just stop taking all my drugs. I said, listen, I never said that. Here's what I would tell you. If you actually went and read each of the drug inserts and knew what those drugs were A, doing, and then B, not doing, 
you probably wouldn't mm-hmm. take them. Like that would be my guess. You right. might still, you have the, that choice right. to do that. I believe in medical freedom, but you have, you would, right. I assure you, it's probably not what you think, especially if you're angry at what I'm telling you right now. So why, right. you know, will you kind of hammer on the big pharma industry for a minute um, and why you are concerned? Cause so many of these drugs, the way they make it to market are not the way that people think they make it to market. What you just described is so important when you said, how do you define success? How do you define working? If you're defined working, right. so one of the, I know one of these from some of the ADHD medications, which, you know, a lot of those chemically equivalent to, to methamphetamines. So nobody would say, Hey, it's really great. Bobby's behaving better. What are you doing? We gave him meth every day. Like nobody would celebrate that or that it increases, you know, stunts growth or shrinks brain tissue or causes long-term cardiac problems. Like nobody thinks that's great. Right. And but I don't think if people, right. people didn't know that they're going to go, Hey, this is awesome. It wasn't going very well. I took a little dope. People hate when I call it dope. And they're like, you know, why do you call it that? Why do you just hate those drugs? Well, uh, for a lot of reasons, but will you get on, on your soapbox for those for a minute? Yeah. So, and again, this is a conversation I had with a, a veteran this morning because he said, you know, I've been having this for a long time. I think maybe I really do have, you know, this chemical imbalance. Mm. And so, you know, I had to break that down for him and explain to him that, that the chemical imbalance thing, it's its a marketing lie. Yeah. And, you know, the American Psychiatric Association, their official stance on, on that chemical imbalance thing is we never said that. <laughs> um, but they do say it and it, yeah. they say it constantly. And everybody who's ever been to a shrink has heard, well, you may have a chemical imbalance. Um, but it's a lie. And, and it's it was designed so that if you have an imbalance, you're going to assume that we know how to balance it through chemistry and yeah. through science. But the interesting thing is that one of the things we know um, through brain science, through neurology, is that serotonin doesn't actually impact your mood at all. It can be up, it can be down, it can be, we can we know how to deplete it, and it doesn't make anybody feel some kind of way. Um, and, you know, and, and another piece of that is that we in this country give people drugs that flood your brain with excesses of serotonin, in order to create, you know, make, call it an antidepressant, make you happy. But if you go into Europe, there are countries that Hmm. have drugs that deplete serotonin and they're called antidepressants. Hmm. So think about that. Yeah. Both can't be right. What are we doing here? (laughs) What what are we doing here? Both can't be true. um, No, no, they both can't be true. And, but, uh, you know, again, they know that people are not going to question um, they know that when they see the, the package insert and it says the mechanism of action is thought to be, mm. and then there's this big uh, crap, they, they don't, the only words that matter there are is thought to be. Yeah. Because what that means is we don't have any idea. Um, <laughs> and, so, and, then, and then so many know, of the studies that don't ever, people are always surprised to hear this. I think they think once something has been approved, first of all, I think that they, the brain, you know, the, the, the assumption built in with the propaganda is, well, if it's been approved, it will work. And that means it will work the way I think it's going to work. And it works for everybody, or they would never approve this, of course. And they also compare this to changing lifestyle and proper therapy and, you know, exercise. No, but that's not true. And most of the, and then right, of course, yeah, yeah go ahead. We're, we're taught to tell you that these are smart bombs, mm. that they're literally going to go into your brain um, and not uh, and, and do exactly what we we uh, intend them to do. And, and they're not smart bombs. They actually permeate every single cell in your body. They accumulate in your bone marrow, you know, um, well, yeah, and, obviously, and, how they, can a drug- and we have no idea what they're going to do until you take them. We, we know what the what that drug is going to do to you personally after you take it, not before. So, Doc, okay. So I, I know there's people, because I, I see them every day too, and um, 
I've, I've seen crazy statistics, just number of people on Adderall, number of people. I heard a statistic there in a book I'm reading said one out of eight Americans are on Adderall. I was like, what? I mean, even I'm always still sometimes even shocked at some of the, the numbers that you hear. Like the, the world, the, my paradigm does not allow for one in eight humans to require Adderall to function. That's something else is causing, right. is causing that. But here's what I, the thing that I think is unique about you, and I touched on this earlier, and I want you to give some, some, some hope to some people because I think that people... I know you, and you're very open about this, about as people are starting to wean off and, and people are starting to think about that um, and get off these medications. Um, so many people think they can't. And and, I, and I'm not asking you to doctor over the airwaves at any stretch of the imagination here. I want you to maybe share some stories because I think when people hear some of the victories, you know, as you started this, I don't know if we were online yet when you told me about you know, a person that's already lost, you know, lost a hundred pounds down and moving to Florida running a marathon, like how amazing that is. And I do want to talk about, maybe this is our segue into warfighter advance, because I think if I can, if I can see it through the lens of a person that's experienced unbelievable atrocities through uh, the theater war and, and just th seeing the things that nobody want to dream of. And if those people can heal and recover and improve, then I think it gives hope to, the the 17 year old that's having a bad day because they didn't get enough likes on facebook right um right, right, right. yeah so will you talk about just some of the uh, maybe the unbelievable victories that you've seen happen and maybe the worst of the worst and then maybe that gives the the, the everyday you know man or woman that's in the having the blues or feeling anxious that says oh my gosh i must have something wrong with me god messed up on me and he right. forgot my dope so take that whatever direction right. you want yeah. So, so the first thing is, you know, one of the things that, you know, we, we're, we're literally like dog whistle trained when, mm -hmm. when you have uh, any kind of emotions that you, that you don't like, or you find overwhelming to run, you know, run to the doctor. You need to see your doctor, see your doctor. And we, and they do it to us in the military. They say, go see your doctor. Something when is wrong with me. Something is wrong. Yeah. Always. Right. Yeah. And, 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 you know, what, what, what I spend my day doing is like somebody yesterday was telling me about this horrible helicopter mishap and mm -hmm. um, six people drowned, you know, mm -hmm. because they couldn't get out of their seatbelts. And I mean, this is horrible. And he knew them all, mm -hmm. you know. And, and so he's like, do you think I have this disease? Do you think I have that disease now? And I said, look, mm -hmm. the bottom line is if you felt any other way yeah. about this, you'd be a monster. <laughs> you, you, you feel exactly the way you're supposed to feel. This is horrible. Um, and that was the first time anyone had ever suggested to him that his suffering might be normal. Mm. Um, and so, you know, for me, that's the big tragedy here is that when, when someone is bullied, you don't drug the kid that's mm. getting bullied, mm. you know, their, their response to being bullied is normal. It's horrible. Um, you know, maybe find them another school, but sure. <laughs> you know, don't, yeah. don't tell them that they're the problem somehow, you know, but large and small, whether it's, you know, junior high school stuff or whether it's, you know, huge military stuff, you know, that we have things happen in our lives that cause us to, to suffer and to be afraid and to be stressed out and to, you know, like, as the kids say nowadays, they, to feel some kind of way. Mm. And, um, and all of that is just, it's completely normal. And, um, suffering is normal you know it's it's just part of of the human condition so you know I, my industry we make a boatload of money every single day you make our boat payments ladies and gentlemen mm. by believing us when we tell you that your suffering is um over the top or abnormal or it's just you yeah. um or there's a chemical imbalance way. and you have xyz oh, there's a chemical imbalance. you caught Absolutely. the old virus of 
depression. Mm-hmm. Sorry to hear that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No, it's it's all of that. So so but but what happens um, at, at Warfighter Advance is that, the, you know, people get together and they. they yeah. So what they is Warfighter about, Advance, um, Doc? Tell them just to give them the quick 30 seconds on that, like what that is. Sure. Sure. Absolutely. So Warfighter Advance is a, a week long program that we uh, bring uh, post-deployment veterans to or anybody who's really post-operational. Um and and we help them to understand that their you know reintegration into civilian life is not going to be a straight line. Um, and if they are um, if they are already have already been what I like to call psychiatrized, mm. um, you know we try to give them uh, the alternatives to that um, and point them. We can't in a week. Obviously, we can't take anybody off of psych meds. That would just be too dangerous. But we try to, um, you know, point them at the resources, make sure they uh, they go home with a copy of the film Medicating Normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, we try to make sure they understand where the um, withdrawal websites are and the yeah. books they need to read and, and that kind of thing. But um, so, but, what, but what we try to do is just change the trajectory of their life instead of, you know, you must now be a professional patient because mm-hmm. you went to war is that, no, actually, you're a warfighter. Um, and that's where we get our name from. You will advance. Um, and, and here's how to continue to advance. And um, so that it's a it's a it's a week long, basically didactic program where they're in classroom in the morning and they're learning about themselves most of the afternoon um, and, uh, you know, and bonding with one another, because obviously uh, we're not meant to go go through this process alone, you know, Um but but to get back to the um, just the the things that they, people come to that program five six seven like you said up to fifteen psych meds at a time. There's um, several people in medicating normal uh, who uh, went through the program um, who were you, when one of them reads off her med list and it's it's just mind boggling how yeah. much she was on. I mean it's 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 abuse is what it is and. Um, so, so, but, but everybody in that film now, fast forward to today, every single person um, that went through Warfighter that's in that film is, is off the meds. There's no one still taking them and they're all living very fruitful lives. So um, it's, it's totally possible. It's just a very uh, long, painstaking journey um, Doc, I think when to, you, to get there. I think you've told me before, I've heard you say it, like, the reaction from, you know, because imagining these these war fighters, these men and women that have served our country, you know, generally speaking, there's something in them already that's pretty special to have done what they've chose to do. And then when they find out, I think I remember you saying this one time, when they often find out that they were lied to, right, about whether it was the mm-hmm. dangers of the drugs or any of the side effects or whatever, I think you've told me like a lot of them just get pissed off, right? Like, like yeah. yeah, there's a part of them that's like, almost how did I fall for this or how did I get sucked into this? Yeah, I mean, they are angry and and very angry. And especially if they're part of the medical community like Corman or, mm. you know, psych techs and, and people that actually participated in handing this stuff out on top of, you know, taking the the meds. I mean, there, there are many layers of, of anger, mm. but, but it's uh, the, the word that I like to use is, is, is that they were coerced. Um, and believe mm. it or not in medical ethics, coercion is um, it's completely unacceptable. But when you are in a, in an environment where somebody says, well, if you don't take the drugs, we're going to cut your compensation. Mm. Or if you don't take the drugs, um, you know, we're, you're, we're going to, you know, uh, take you to captain's master court martial you, or, you mm. know, there's going to be some sort of punitive 
thing, you just, you know, you're abs- you're scared not to. You or parents say, okay. at schools where they say, if you don't give your kid ADHD drugs, we're going to kick them out of the school. Right. It's the same That's thing. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's go right. ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's exactly the same thing. And, and again, and again, if you read the, go back to the American medical association and pull out the medical ethics book, it's absolutely clear that part of informed consent is that you are provided with um, the risks, the benefits, the alternatives, and that you are allowed to choose among those things without coercion. Um, and, and that even the eight minute appointment is coercion. Mm. Um, because of the fact that there's a time crunch and you can't possibly explain the informed consent in eight minutes and you can't possibly allow someone to make a free decision. You come in with a prescription pad out and you're Mm. pretty much saying what do you want before they leave. You know, one of the Um, things I heard you say before that I always struck me, I think this is great advice or or thoughts for people to have one time, I think it was when we brought you to Florida and, uh, and you did a seminar for us and you, you said something like, uh, Somebody's maybe sharing a story with you. They're sharing a, a, a hurt or a trauma or or just life, and mm-hmm. <laughs> we say something like this along these lines: "Wow, you should really talk to somebody about that, right?" And right. I, I remember right. you kind of like throwing something across the room, saying, "They're talking to you, right?" You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think we downplay this, and and not not to knock your profession or any other. I say this all the time, being on my side of the world as a doctor. I'm like, I always tell patients, people get mad at me because I always call them doctor. They're like, oh, I'm not a doctor. I'm like, listen, I need you to understand that you play a significant role in your health by the decisions that you make every day. So I want you to see yourself as your greatest, you know, uh, you know, the doctor in your life, if you will. The doctor is the person you see in the morning. So not to downplay the time where people need to have, you know, some level of professional help, but by and large, a lot of these things are dealt with by talking with your friends, your family, your coworker. Do you mind just speaking to that? for a second? Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes I'm being a little bit facetious yeah, yeah. and I'll say, you know, you get you, you would get better help at the VFW, you know, than, yeah. <laughs> than you would in a psychiatrist's office. But but I but on some level I actually do mean that. And I think what happens is that again that we're we're dog whistle trained that if anybody says I'm having feelings or I'm having mm. really big feelings about something, that we're supposed to say, oh, you should go talk to somebody. And of course that's code for, you know, you probably need medicine, you know, you might need a mm. psychiatrist, or, you know, that kind of thing. And and so, you know, I'm I'm just very, very clear that, you know, we need to we need to respect each other and and realize that if somebody comes and tells me their thing. Um, that that maybe they self-selected into the correct environment and maybe I am the person mm. that they're supposed to be talking to and maybe my goal should not be to move them to the next mm. thing, whatever it is. It, in my world, we would say it was a higher level of care mm. or, or, you know what I mean? I, you know, the, the, sometimes... Um, Sometimes you are in the right place. And, you know, then someone obviously will shoot back and say, well, I can't I can't cope with their problems right now. And I said, well, you know, that's valid, but it still doesn't mean that they need mental health care. Mm. Um, In fact, when I went through mental health um, school before we became such a huge industry um, and we're on every street corner, um, we used to one, one of the criteria was for putting, asking someone to go to mental health was that they were unable to develop their own social support. Um, and so that was one of the things you assessed, you know, does this person have social support? Do they have someone mm. to talk to? You know, do they have a chaplain? Do they have, you know, people in their lives? And if the answer was absolutely, they have tons of social support, then you would consider not referring them because mm. again, we weren't in this illness, you mm, know, mm, depths mm. of this illness model at the time. But I, I think that this is a very important I- idea 
that um, listening carefully to what they say. And and a lot of times I will say, you know, I really don't think you need a psychologist or you don't need me yeah. um, as your friend. What you really need is, um, but you're, you know, you need to go talk to your, uh, yeah. your spiritual advisor or whatever that is, or maybe you need to go to Alcoholics Anonymous, mm, or mm. maybe, um, what you really need is an attorney. <laughs> 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 but, and I've, I, I've, I've said that a, a lot of times. Like, I really don't think you need a psychologist. I think you need an attorney. Um, yeah. but, but the idea is that it's, it's, it's not always, you know, oh, you said this form, you know, this, this list of quote unquote symptoms, you know, therefore we need this, um, you know, this pill. And this is also something I say to all my clients is that, um, you know, when, when I have the first session is I'm, I'm not going to listen to your symptoms. I, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I do not want to know whether you slept last night. I'm not interested <laughs> in, you know, what you eat or, you know, whatever. I want your story mm-hmm. and tell me your story. Why, why, are, how did we come to be sitting here together today? Um, and a lot of them, you know, believe it or not, they can't do it. Hmm. They, they'll, they'll tell me that their story is that they went to the doctor hmm. and the doctor told them that they needed to come see me. And I'm like, hmm. oh, my God. Hmm. OK, we got to start over here. Um, oh. <laughs> and uh, because, you know, you're more than um, your medical appointments, obviously. But some people are really reduced to that. It's very hmm. sad. Hmm. Doc, as we kind of as we kind of land the plane here a little bit, I want a couple of things. One would be, um, will you talk just a little bit about. Um, ICEP. And the only reason I ask you to do that is because I think people sometimes, it's always, and that's why I have people like you on the show, I, people, they, they're used to this, the standard medical approach, right? I went over there, I saw the doctor, they gave me a label, and then I went to the pharmacy. And then there's this whole other world of people that really are out there trying to fight the good fight, that are really trying to raise awareness, that are trying to be, you know, evidence-based uh, and, you know, and asking better questions and trying to, you know, steward, you know, people's understanding of things. So we just... Because I think it's always it's always powerful. Like, oh wow, there's a psychiatrist that's talking about maybe I don't need drugs every second, right? There's a psychologist that's actually saying, hey, there's a lot of things that I can do, and it helps people just I think have a better understanding. So just a little bit about ICEP, because I know there's some resources. I know it's more for professionals, but there we have a lot of different doctors that listen to this stuff. Um, so just a little bleep on ICEP, and then maybe some of your favorite resources, um, because ultimately people need to, in my opinion, they need to you know, take authority in their health. They need to understand that ultimately it's, it's up to them in the regard of who they're going to talk to and what they're going to, and you do need to get yourself educated on some of these things. And there's, there is some great resources. So we answer that first question, just a little bit about ICEP for my professionals that sure. are on here and then we'll, uh, some, maybe some resources or some things you think are yes. helpful. Yes. So, so international society for ethical psychology and psychiatry um, and the, the, that's what the ICEP stands for. And, um, the organization really is a, a professional home for, um, for the people who really do want to keep, uh, the, uh, oh boy, what's the word who, who, who want to practice in a very true way, yeah. which means that the diagnostic and statistics manual, um, although, you know, in many settings we're forced to use it, acknowledging the, the, problems with it um and the 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 lack of scientific uh validity and and reliability that it has um and and also um actually looking for a different system you know that's one of the things that we struggle with is well what else is there what other what what system could we use and then of course you know trying to um help 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 people understand that the the drugging is not just um uh, the only way unethical. The it's, it's just, it, yeah, it's just, it's just outright harmful. Yeah. And so, you know, what are, what are some of the alternatives and then how can, um, how can professionals, um, 
you know, kind of band together and support each other as well as get the word out. Um, there's also, there, there are psychiatric survivors that are members of ISIP, and there are some providers who are also psychiatric survivors. They're in both camps and they're part of ISIP. Um, and these so are some of like very, place. like these are, you know, I was so impressed just by the caliber of the, the, the people that are part of that. I mean, we're talking high level mm -hmm. PhDs and MDs and other yeah. you know, professions that yeah. are from the best schools, all the Ivy, all the stuff you'd know. And, you know, the people that are associated yeah. with that have just been, um, I, it's not like some people think it's like, you know, I work in holistic healthcare. So some people are like, oh, you're just going to, you know, dangle a crystal over my head and tell me I'm better. I'm like, that's not what I do. But, you know, I want people to understand what you're talking about is scientific honest, often independent in the sense because they've they've broken free from the system or like you said, they were part of it. Then they kind of woke up. I mean, there's some major players, uh, yourself being yes. one of them, that, that are really asking yeah. some great questions. So you'll only be yeah. you'll only be encouraged, you know, by learning that. Yeah, we were all part of it at one time. We're all everybody in there is MDs, PhDs, attorneys, yeah. people, you know, because attorneys are also at fault for, mm. you know, um, uh, putting uh, putting people against their will into um, mm, different mm. types of confinement um, based on a diagnostic manual that is invalid. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you know, there's, there's plenty of attorneys in that in there too, you know, that are trying to do it a mea culpa at this point. Mm. But um, yeah, so, so let me talk about the resources, yeah. really important stuff. So again, psychiatric survivors, very important term. Um, and there's, um, the, the ones I really like are uh, the Medicating Normal website. I yeah. think the best, it is the, absolutely the best place to go if you're going to start that journey of um, getting off the medications and what else is there, because they've taken so much time to uh, take, you know, just bring all the other resources to one place um, and to vet them very carefully. So, and those um, who that don't know, we, and we've had we've had them the the producers of the movie on the show, and I know that um, mm -hmm. we played in my office. I've held special events about it. We've also um, yeah. people want to know, like I'm telling you, like it's a really great starting point uh, yes. to watch. It's an actual movie, yes. and I just the name, of course, mm -hmm. I love is just the idea that we're what you've described this whole show, which is we're medicating life. We're medicating what are normal right. responses to extreme circumstances or other circumstances. Right. And so it's a right. really good, and I think they've done a great job of, you know, I'm okay with, sometimes we have to embellish, not embellish, sometimes we have to hyperbolize things to get people's attention, right? I understand that. Right. But this is, you're talking to people watching their journey. You watch behind the scenes episodes of people in psychiatric offices. You watch, you know, MIT, you know, really smart people like get destroyed right. by a system and you can't deny what's happened mm -hmm. it's a very honest show movie that yeah. um I, and you're in it which is fun but <laughs> yeah yeah that's the best part no i'm just kidding no and, and and there's tons of outtakes from there on the website too if you want to hear more you know uh mm. you know like me running my mouth or other people that mm -hmm. are in there um so really super interesting too is that the um, one of the managing editors from the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual is actually in there. Yeah. Um, and Alan Francis, and also making a mea culpa about, um, you know, this this was my life's work and it was incorrect, basically. Yeah. Um, and people have been harmed by it. Um, so that's super interesting. Um, the So other places besides that, um, uh, med medicating normal, I, I would say uh, Mad in America, Yep. It's something that anybody who's interested in this should should follow and um, sign up for their newsletter. Um, the Hearing Voices Network hmm. um, is also another um, thing. I think one of the biggest um, 
uh, travesties uh, in our culture is the idea that if you hear voices or hear things or see things that other people don't see, that that is illness and that it's treatable by, you know, heavy handed drugs. Um, and, um, you know, and then again, you know, if, if it was actual illness, it would cross cultures. But if you go to another culture, this mm. person with the exact same experiences is now the shaman of the community because mm. that experience in their culture is a gift, yeah. you know, and it's very arrogant for us to say, well, we're right, you mm. know, because why? Because we're Americans. Are you kidding mm. me? Mm. Mm. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, so again, it, it, again, begin, just begin to um, consider that maybe some of the things that we have always assumed our our illness, you know, may not actually the illness at all. Um, now, Doc, when you, you so, also have people that are maybe they're listening to this and they may be currently, uh, be, uh, they've been told things, they've been labeled things, they are mm -hmm. uh, currently medicating and they maybe have either A, never thought about doing anything differently or they have yes. desperately wanted to, but they are seeing somebody that says some version of, you know, if you don't do this, you know, you'll kill yourself. If you don't do this, you'll never be healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, that kind of stuff. And I know you are very um, strong on, on this and not just telling people to throw their drugs in the garbage can. That's not our job anyway. Um, however, right. you do need to, you, you do need to take responsibility for who you sit yourself in front of. And so can you yes. give our, our listeners a little bit of advice on if they are maybe working with somebody, you know, on uh, maybe they need to find a different one and then that's okay. You don't have to, you know, you're sure, the, yeah, sure. just some thoughts on that. So, so yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I, I have clients that fire me. Um, <laughs> sometimes it's because they don't want to see, you know, be seen virtually or because they don't want to, because they do really like their drugs and that's fine. It's, I, I mean, it really is okay. The, the, the purpose of your, your provider should be to help you to get where you're going, not where they think you should mm -hmm. go. And, and so you need to determine what your goals are. Um, and then find someone who aligns with your goals. Mm. Um, and, you know, and so if your goal is to become drug free and they're saying, oh, no, no, you really have to have these things. Mm. You, there's a misalignment of goals, um, a mis you know, a misalignment of purpose. And so you, you it, it's perfectly valid to go and find someone else um, yeah. to to see. And I, I think um, I've, I've actually had some people that were so um so drugged and so their lives had been so taken over by the mental health system that if they missed an appointment the police would come pick them up mm. um and um you know take them to their mental health appointment or take them to the emergency room um and so some of some of our warfighters have actually had to leave the state that they mm. lived in in order to get a clean start in another state because the wow. they were so wrapped up in this the quote unquote system so, um, you know, so you may have to do something extreme to break free. Mm. Um, and I, I hope that if people are um, uh, need to do that, that they'll somehow find the inner strength to do that. Um, but not, you know, again, not without support. You've got to build up a, a support network and, and people who uh, have an alignment of goals um, because it's very, very difficult. And, and again, you'll see that when you watch Medicating Normal, you will yeah. see how difficult it is and um, but mo for most people, it really is a matter of, Hey, you know, I really don't want to take, you know, X drug anymore. And can I taper off? And if they're, um, if the psychiatrist says no, very, very often the primary care will say yes. Okay. Um, because, um, that, you know, or usually they'll say more like, Oh, finally, mm, 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 mm. <laughs> because primary, primary care is usually also not that excited about really, mm. really long-term use of these drugs. 
And um, and then you can take the information that you learned on some of these other uh, withdrawal websites, take it into the provider so that they know how to help you. That's a, yeah. another mistake that people make is that they think the doctor knows how to get off these various mm-hmm. drugs and they don't. They, they, they're not taught that. It's not their fault. Um, it's complicated. Um, and um, I, we had a warfighter that went to the emergency room last week. Uh, and she had run out of her uh, Klonopin uh, that she was tapering from, and she was on uh, 0.5 milligrams at this point, which is a lot. Um, and she had been without it for two days. And the emergency room, they um, accused her of uh, faking her withdrawal because they wow. said nobody nobody has withdrawal symptoms off of that little tiny dose. Oh. And yeah. I mean, it was horrible. You know, as so, I as as I kind of you know, end the show here. I want to give you last word, but here's what I want to say to our listeners. So what I have found is initially some of this stuff can be shocking. Um, almost, almost a little kind of like punch in the punch in the gut a little bit because it forces us to face some of the assumptions that we've believed, some of the ways we've even been maybe misled, and we just never really thought about it. We never thought about the next two or three questions behind that, like, well, if that isn't true, then what about this? And maybe I did, you know, fall for this. And so, what I've found is when you start to get yourself in a different circle, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about some of the interviews I've listened to Dr. Marion and some of these other videos that are out there and you start to dive into some of the ICEP work and you hear a different perspective, there's just something inside of you that goes, wow, that makes sense. I never thought about it that way. So there's going to be some unlearning oftentimes that people need to go through. There's a, there's just a, you kind of have, there's a little bit of a trauma, <laughs> pick on the trauma, but there's a little bit of a traumatic, like, wow, I've been on, you know, freaking Zola for 15 years. I never even thought it was hurting me or bad for me or long-term affecting me or anything else. And I don't even know who I am without it. And I'm a little scared of that. Like, and you need to get yourself around a circle of, of people, whether it's just your friends and family or uh, in certain times, experts that live, just lived in that space a little bit more to help you with that. So if this shocked you a little bit, or a lot of you probably have friends and family that maybe you're worried about, or they're they're on these things, and you're, you're or maybe military people, and they need to maybe consider a warfighter advance experience. Um, let for many of you, this is going to be the start of the journey. Today was the start. Today was like, wow, I've never even considered that. Doctor Mary is one tough cookie, and I want to learn more about this. Start watching the movie. Read it. We had Robert Whitaker on here of, of you know, Mad at America. These are, we've done this because this is a, an area that's near and dear to my heart because of certain family members that I know struggle with it. And just frankly, seeing so many patients over the years that come in on these medications and most of them have shame about it. And many of them just would, would really rather not be on them, but they don't know what to do. And so I try to get experts like you to come and to encourage them to say, hey, it could be possible. There is a different way. And, um, and then, and, and for those that are looking for that different way, Welcome to the party, right? For those that aren't interested, there's probably nothing I could say or Dr. Mary could say that's going to help you want to look at it a different way. That's okay. It's your choice. Um, Doc, will you? I want to give you final word, and I know you're not a big social media. I mean, I don't even know how people follow you. It takes me a long time to follow to get a hold of you, and, and we're friends. So um, what do you, what, how do, you know, just give us your final word of encouragement maybe or thoughts for people, and then if there's any way for them to stay up to date with you. Yeah. So I, I just, I want to jump on what you said yeah. for my final word, which is, you know, it, we do this thought exercise at Warfighter Advance, which is, okay, if I came back from Iraq and I'm, you know, have all of these, you know, I feel some kind of way about the things that happened over there or Afghanistan, 
And if, if that's actually, I'm, I'm suffering, but that's normal, mm-hmm. then what changes? Mm-hmm. You know, it's a kind of a thought exercise. If, I, if I'm not mentally ill, what, what changes, mm-hmm. you know? And and if I'm if I'm actually like a warfighter and not a professional patient, what changes, mm-hmm. you know, and and how your world just opens up and expands because you're not boxed in by this um, mm-hmm. chronic progressive disease. Right. Um, wow. Which is what, you know, the mental illness world wants us to tell you, you have something that's chronic and progressive. You'll always need drugs. You'll always need us. Mm-hmm. It's not true. So what changes? It just becomes so exciting. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, that's really what I want people to kind of leave with is is not like it, it's too easy to get bogged down in the resistance. And instead mm. of saying, wow, like there, like what are the possibilities if this is real? You know, yeah. it's it's very cool. So um, we have a website, warfighteradvance.org. Okay. Um, and we have an Instagram, uh, Warfighter Advance Instagram. Um, we have a Facebook page. Okay. It's possible to follow us on there. Um, we have a LinkedIn Okay. Um, so you can follow us on there. And Doc, if somebody's um, looking to maybe engage with that, that's former military or whatever, how that works, they can reach out through those channels to, to see if they're yes, able absolutely. to attend absolutely. one or something. Yeah. Yeah. There's somebody who monitors all that stuff and they would, um, you know, you can message, message us if you need something. If you're military and you're interested in doing the warfighter advanced experience, um, you don't even have to reach out to us. We don't accept mm. any kind of medical documentation. We don't accept any of that. Um, mm. I was going to say a, a bad word, yeah. um, but but we we just everybody just self refers. So if you feel like you need to be there or okay. ought to be there, go to the website, click on attend. Um, the form is so easy that an officer can fill it out. So um, <laughs> we will, um, and we we would just love to see you there. Um, when the seats are empty, it's very very sad. And am I, am I correct me if I'm wrong? But there's often some financial support to help that happen. I, I don't want to overstate that if that's not true. But oh, you can't overstate it enough. Okay. If you if you um, come to the program, we pay for everything door to door. Your okay. airfare, room, board, tuition, supplies, swag, you name it. It's all. Um, it's all covered um, if you're a warfighter. Yeah. Absolutely, um, and we don't. We also don't play the game. Again, we don't need. Uh, we don't need medical documentation. Yeah. We don't need proof that you're mentally ill. Um, we we don't. Um, we don't need. Um, yeah. uh, you know, anything except yeah, you yeah. just you just want to be there. You know, you just you just want to be there, and you want to. Um, you know, get off this psychiatric merry-go-round. We're glad to have you there. You know, Doc, I've heard sometimes, and, you know, everybody has different, you know, kind of spiritual beliefs, but I've heard it said, that, you know, or somebody talked about this as one time, like, you know, and, you know, on the other side, when we get to see the impacts that 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 have happened, the things that we don't know, right? And I think about, I'll even get a little choked up, but I think about an episode like this that will save some people's lives. Because mm-hmm. somebody forwards this to their uncle in Georgia that they're worried about, or their dad, or somebody that's struggling, or their sister, and they've said, and it's like a voice in the wilderness that, and I hate false hope. I don't actually believe in mm-hmm. that. I believe in hope. And so they might right. hear this, and they might, something inside of them just flickers for a second. They said, oh my goodness, maybe this could, maybe this could help me. And they're going to get on an airplane and they're going to no strings attached and they're going to get around a group of supportive people. I know that's a big part of what you guys do because they're used to that military and their team and their platoon and that's how they operate and they get back in that game right. but in a different way. And so I know that this is and this is 
you know, you were worth the wait. <laughs> it's taken me several years to get you out of here. Um, but I'm so glad that it finally happened. And I know that this is going to bless so many people. I'm thankful that you've taken the road less traveled, that you've followed that conscience inside of you, that guiding light that helps you say, there's something not right here. And I'm a truth teller and I got to stand up. And I know people mm-hmm. personally that you have helped and, and have touched their lives. And so just thank you for staying in the game. And even though you're quasi retired, not really, um, I know you help, uh, not, really. Help, help, not really, probably busier than ever. And so just blessings to you during this holiday Christmas season, doc. I just couldn't thank you enough and keep up the good work and um, we'll stay in touch. We'll talk soon. All right. Merry Christmas. Do the right thing. Thanks, Doc. Take care. God bless. (laughs) If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to support the show, give us a five-star review and share it with your tribe. To learn more about Dr. Ben's work, visit AchieveWellness.clinic.